Today's bonus episode is going to be a little bit different than usual. This is a recording from my question and answer session inside my Secondary Systems for Success free workshop. And it has some questions that were asked within my Instagram group. So I hope that you can benefit from some of the questions and the answers. Welcome to the Secondary Teacher Podcast, the podcast for middle and high school teachers juggling multiple preps to get the strategies to reduce overwhelm so that you don't have to choose between being an effective teacher and prioritizing important relationships. I'm your host, Kristen Masick, a 10-year high school engineering teacher, former middle school assistant principal, and teacher coach. Every week, we will discuss strategies, systems, and time-saving tips to help you not only survive, but thrive as a multiple prep teacher. The first one is when you're laying out a course, do you have a single spreadsheet and then link your slides, assignments, et cetera, all for each day? And when it comes to like planning, like laying that out, so I do like to map things out. So I like to have a curriculum map or like a scope and sequence. And I've done it a couple of different ways. And I feel like I I kept going back to having something like a spreadsheet where it was all linked. I try to keep all of my, my resources like within the same folder on my Google drive. So that's one thing that I did. I did actually rely heavily on like my LMS and getting all of my course and resources and everything ready there for students. And so then I kind of, I could make a copy of it at the end of the semester. And in my district, we use Canvas, but it's also free. And so I knew that if I downloaded that, that I could still use it like with the free version, most of the content. So I do like having everything linked in one place, but sometimes you can spend a lot of time doing that. And it might just be easier just to drag things into a folder. So that was like a very long answer to that question. All right, the next one is I have three new classes with no curriculum. Where should I start? Okay, so when we're talking about curriculum, we're talking about having like your pre-assessment, your post-assessment, any of your strands and your standards. And usually a curriculum is developed by a curriculum writer. And we use the word curriculum all the time. And so sometimes it gets a little bit confusing. And so what I'm thinking from this is that you don't have like a specific like lesson plan sequence, all of that laid out. So here is my advice to start. So first off, you need to find your standards. And secondly, the one of the easiest ways and it it seems like it's kind of like the no brainer way, or I guess like the easy way out is to find a textbook that meets those standards. And you might need to use like more than one textbook, but what you can do with that then is that a lot of the textbooks, they'll have resources. So you could use that textbook like as your curriculum, and then you would take pieces and parts out of it, And you could also primarily just use that for your assessments because most of those textbooks also you can purchase or you can find somewhere where they would have like a teacher's resource that would have the assessments. And when we're talking about those kind of assessments, that is like your summative, usually like your multiple choice, that kind of thing. Um, You can develop 
other assessments that go beyond like a like a traditional test and that can be a little bit harder to find but you might be able to find some prompts or some things that way so the the answer to that which is not super simple and easy but you need to find something that can help guide you as you are compiling your resources and your activities and everything to go along with that so i would suggest that you start with something that's already created whether you are finding an actual curriculum or you're finding a textbook or two that support the strands and standards that your course is comprised of. Okay, next question. I have a coworker that constantly comes to my classroom through my back door just to chat. How do I get them to stop? Okay, there's a couple of different things with this and I don't know all of the context. So there are a couple different times where you could be kind of bothered or you could be interrupted by a coworker, another teacher, someone on the faculty staff, whatever. One would be if it's during class, an easy way out is to say, hey, I'm teaching right now. Can you come back? So you kind of give them an out. That way, um, if they don't stop, that is something you probably could go to your administration about just saying, hey, and maybe they can guide you. They, they'll probably know this person. My guess is that this person is also having issues maybe with other teachers and maybe they can help coach you through boundaries or how to set those with that particular staff member. If they are coming into your prep period, which is that's usually when people would come into mind, like we would have the same prep period. And so we would naturally kind of come together. So there's a couple different options. You could have your door shut. And I would also say like shut and locked. And I know that that doesn't always deter people, but they can't get in unless they have a key to a locked room. And I know that that might seem like a little bit harsh, but that is your planning time and you don't need to be disturbed. Another thing that you could do if, if you feel like you don't want to be rude and you kind of want the, and not saying locking your door is rude, but if you don't want to be so forward, you could let them know that you have X amount of time. So you say, Hey, I've got about two minutes because I really have to get back to this email, this planning, whatever you're doing. And then when they get to the two minutes, you could say, hey, remember I only had my two, I only had those two minutes. Can we resume this conversation another time? So those are some options for being interrupted when you want to be working, whether it's like during class or during your prep period. All right, next question. Do you have a digital tool or platform that you use for bell ringers? I feel like a lot of people use slides. That's like the basic like go-to. I liked to use my LMS, but then I also, as I was like progressing and like getting more, I guess like more veteran into teaching is that I wanted to have something that wasn't tech related in case I had a substitute. So there's two different ways to do that. So you can either set it up so that it's done beforehand, like the night before, and maybe you have something on the board, or maybe you have like a few different places, like depending on which prep and there's like a prompt in each of those. 
You could also have like it built in your LMS if you're using some sort of like learning management system for your students. And then another thing you could do is that you could have one or two students where that is their job. And so you kind of give it to them. So regardless of whether you're there or not, they already have something ready. So that would definitely be more of like a student-led, student-run classroom, but that's another option of setting up some routines and some systems. Maybe you you even give them like a bunch of things that they could choose from. Maybe it's one person's job or a couple people's job from the day before to come up with a prompt. And then it's the other people's jobs to somehow write it on the board or whatever at the beginning of class or something like that. And you could have that worked in as a bell ringer as well. So I know the question was specifically like digital tools. And for me, a lot of times it was, it was like on my LMS. So you can have like a quiz. I did also when I was doing digital things, when I had that, when I wasn't worried about a substitute is that depending on the class, like with my engineering classes, I had, I would pick out things that, that they would, could have conversations around. So we would either have like articles that we could read, or we would watch like Kickstarters or like the go funding, um, organization or like those websites where they're trying to crowdsource to get their products or their inventions done. Another thing that like I said, when I'm teaching engineering is that we would talk about like Shark Tank. And I know business teachers tend to use that as well. And so finding like some good episodes that you can use over and over and over again, and then have students, maybe you kind of have like a structure that you use every single day that's the same. So maybe you're asking them like, what is the product? How did they pitch it? How like maybe some issues that they you saw or that they saw and maybe you'd only have them watch the pitch itself instead of the entire episode with the kickstarters they were very short and so usually we could ask those questions and we could come up with possibilities of like design flaws or did they really think that that product is something that people would buy so those are some options for bell ringers especially if you're doing engineering or business Okay, what are your suggestions for reducing time spent giving kids feedback on projects and or smoothing the whole process? Okay, so there's a couple of things. First off, I think it's super valuable to be giving your students feedback. And I'm not sure, once again, the context, but it could be that sometimes students want feedback on every single step of a project because they're obsessed with whether or not it's going to be right or wrong. Um, so there, you could have, do a couple of things. So if it's something where it is like an assignment or a project where there is like, this is how it should be in the end. And it is something that you can have an exemplar or not even an exemplar, but like a proficient example. So when I was doing engineering, I would have drawings and I would have that assignment that I drew but I drew it big and actually I would kind of make mistakes here and there or make it a little bit sloppier, but I would have those hung around the room so students could check themselves. So the other thing you could do that would be similar to that would be a rubric 
So having your students check your rubric. And then finally, I think it's really good to let students know when you will be checking and giving feedback. So if you're working on a project that extends like a few weeks, then maybe it's like every Thursday you're going to be giving specific feedback or you've got like this group is going to be on Monday, this group's going to be on Tuesday. I always was walking around and giving feedback during. So that was the other thing too. And I, I don't know once again with this question, but I found that if I sat at my desk and Usually when I'm sitting at my desk, I was trying to prep for another class. So if I sat at my desk, then kids would be up all the time. But as I walked around and I was the one like initiating the feedback that first off, I caught things a lot sooner, like before they made mistakes. And so they could, they could fix things a lot sooner. And then I also felt like those students who may have been needier knew that because I was circling the room that eventually I would get to them. And so they weren't super like concerned about like constantly coming up to me. And then I just remembered another thing that I did, especially in the computer lab and is I had like these flip charts and I got the idea from an elementary school class or teacher. So a lot of computer labs back in the day when we weren't using laptops, but they used like red cups to signal that they had a question. And the red cups ended up being a nightmare in high school because for some reason, like they would pound the cups because apparently if you, if you pounded the cup, then it would make it so that you, I would think that your question was like super urgent. And so I'd come to you first, never happened. Or they would steal other people's cups and they would stack like a really high tower because apparently their tower also meant that it was very important and that I should come to them first. So what I ended up doing is I made a flip chart. And so it, it had like a, a spiral thing at the top. I know you can buy them, but I ended up making them because I couldn't afford to buy like a classroom set at the time. But it had like a red, a yellow and a green. And so the green was usually always flipped. And it was like, I'm doing fine. I can continue working. The yellow was, I have a question, but I can keep working. So I've got a question, but you know, I can move on or I can work on this while I'm waiting. And then the red was, I've got a question and I can't move on without getting it answered. So for me, I could quickly scan the room and then decide like my path based on who had their, their chart thing flipped to whatever color. Okay. And I'm not sure if you can hear my whole family in the background, but okay. Next question we've got, what is your late work policy? So this has changed over the years and, um, it has gotten more relaxed. So my current policy, and I'm no longer in the classroom, but when I left the classroom, and this still agrees with me as an assistant principal, was I didn't have a late work policy. And so I know that there is a little bit of like controversial things about like, well, you're not teaching kids how to have deadlines and, and adhere to that. Well, ultimately, I mean, there always will be a deadline. Like there, and I didn't feel like by having not having a late work policy, I didn't feel like the procrastinators all turned it in on the very last day. Like, honestly, it didn't change who turned things in and who didn't turn things in. But what it did do is it made my life simple. 
I no longer had to worry about when students turned it in and how many points was I going to deduct and was it late or was it missing and had if they were absent was it that it was excused or unexcused and I it was so much of a mess and I think we overcomplicate things as teachers and so having no late work policy made it super simple where i didn't need to worry about those like little nitpicky things and so not having late work policy made my life easy and it did also solve a lot of problems like i never had issues with parents disagreeing with my late work policy or administrators okay and then this is the last question. So I'm a first year teacher and I'm hoping to build the STEM program at my high school. How did you start out and what did you struggle with? So I think when I was first starting my program, I think the biggest thing is, is that I had to be teaching a million preps and whether that's your situation or not. And it was just because I had to fill my classes. And so I had to like, I guess I wasn't really necessarily filling my classes, but I had to offer a ton in hopes that I would get more students to, to sign up for things. If I were doing it again, though, I wonder if it would be better for me to start small. Like, for example, when I finished in the classroom, I had taken all of those preps and then I reduced them to just two or three preps. And I was teaching just a boatload of the introductory courses. And that really helped because I had a ton of kids in there and so they could feed my advanced courses. But then it also meant that I had less to prep for because I was getting really, really, really good at teaching that introductory course. So if I were to start again, I would try to figure out how I could have a lot of the entry level or like basic beginning course and then slowly add the other ones in if my schedule allowed. And then there was a second question. Oh, what did I struggle with? So that was one thing is that I feel like and it was partly my doing and I there's a lot of other factors that kind of made that super overwhelming. The other thing too is that struggling with curriculum or lack thereof when I really became successful is when I was able to find a curriculum that was already out there that I had the content and then as a teacher I could decide what to implement from that curriculum because that curriculum they gave us so much we wouldn't have been able to fit it all in and so I could use my expertise and I could do that but then it also allowed me to be better as a teacher because instead of like planning like figuring out which activities because I already had that from the curriculum I could focus more on how I was going to teach with that activity and how I was going to provide feedback and how I was going to assess rather than the what. So I was thinking more about the how and then and then the proficiency of my students. Okay, so I think that is all the questions that I have tonight. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. 